Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. How are you doing? I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Thank you for joining us, me, our guest, and just hanging out. I'm looking forward to bringing you this conversation that I had. It is with a gentleman named Dave Quiggle. He is a, I would say, a veteran of the the hardcore and punk scene. He has done artwork for a kajillion bands, undoubtedly recognizes stuff. He is a very prolific person. He also works at Face Down Records. He's just done a lot of stuff. I was really excited to talk to him. So more on him in a minute because it, it's a funny story. There is some people that are donating to the show, and I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. But there are some people that I wanted to highlight who have tossed some recent reviews on iTunes because I notice other podcasts do this, and you know I like that because it's it's nice to kind of see what sort of feedback people give. I just like to kind of spread the love, so to speak. And uh, yeah, a dude or a girl named Big City Hutch. I think they're from the States. Uh, he said that I love the range and diversity of guests. So thanks, Big City Hutch. Shout out to you. And shout out to Fantastopotamus, which is a spectacular username on the iTunes store. I think he's from Canada. He said, great guests. If you love like 90s and 2000s sort of punk, hardcore, independent culture, this is up your alley. So thank you for the reviews. If you want to review and kind of join in on this fun stuff, go to the iTunes store, drop some stars, type some sentences. It helps the rankings. It helps the legitimacy of the show. And it just, it's, it's a great thing in general. Propertyofzack.com are great media partners and email the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com. I bring a person occasionally to recommend you the finest in musical outputs. And his name is Dave Anthony. He writes for a website called the AV Club, which is one of my favorite destinations on the internet in regards to music and movies and television. Anything you need an opinion on, go there and you will find out about it and figure out whether or not it fits into your life. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dave. And this is Dave Anthony, not Dave Quiggle, <laughs> uh, where Dave Anthony and I discuss two records and you should check them out. So here we are, and I'll talk to you afterwards about Dave Quiggle, and then we'll go into the interview. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's talk. Uh, let's talk records. If you're down, let's do it. I'm totally down. The uh, we'll start with the the Meatwave record that you sent me. I'll uh, I'll give you my impression, and then you can fill in the sort of biographical information because I love uh, I love when we're trading emails talking about the records that we want to cover, and you always not only usually suggest a Chicago band, but also are like, I guess we'll, we should talk about this because they're from Chicago. Well, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a product of my environment and like, don't fucking love Chicago bands and like kind of always root for them. Um, but they were, they they were top of mind just because like at one of the million free, you know, street fests that happened over the summer here, like they played one last week, like opening for like guided boy voices and cheap girls mm-hmm. And over the past year, like, they've just gotten progressively better and better every time I've seen them. And, you know, they got some buzz here and have been in other projects. But that, like, the self-titled, like, tape they put out last year just got pressed on vinyl. And it's, I think, it's a killer record. And I feel like now is as good a time as any to bring it up. So I'm really interested to hear what you think of a band that, like, has just kind of been kicking around for a while and, like, I've quietly and slowly fallen in love with over the past year and a half. Yeah, no, I see, I see the charm in it. Cause it definitely, you know, as, as they self-describe, you know, just sort of a garage punk band, but it's like, 
to me that that genre is is so uh, loosely defined because there obviously there's there's bands that you know their recordings sound purposefully awful um and, <laughs> yeah. and, yeah, but it's properly defined as lo-fi <laughs> <laughs> uh, well that's one of my biggest things like a lot of like garagey stuff it i don't it, like it has to be done well when a band's just like caked in reverb and it sounds like you know, the vocalist is underwater. Like it's so alienating to me. So when a band can do that kind of garagey indie punk or what have you, and not sound like they're fucking ambivalent to what they're doing, you win a lot of points with me. You and I are in agreement with that. And I definitely, and these dudes like definitely fall into that category of like, okay, it's appropriately recorded, but not too slick to where it's like, you know, it just sounds like every other sort of guitar driven record. Um, yeah, it's like I, the, the note I wrote, it's like, it's garagey, but not in the sloppy way. I got feelings, even though they weren't as sort of uh, angsty or I've been like hot snakes, you know, like that sort of like uh, driving guitar stuff, but not, you know, like I said, not as driving, but I honestly, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you, you, you're a thousand percent so far because uh, i know you're doing good but you know it's it's kind of part of your job right so don't, don't i mean i'd like to think like <laughs> it's it's one of those things where i mean i hope i recommend things to people that they would actually like you know I, that's one of my for for years and years and years like in high school and and through college like i love just being like oh you like this and this well like listen to this and i think you'll like it but on the flip side like I, I really enjoy when people do that with me, but there are certain times where you're like, I have to cut this motherfucker off because like it's just it's so bad. Yeah, I can't do it anymore. Um, T- totally. Yeah, but, but no, I I I really enjoyed it, and I I thought it was uh yeah, it's basically it's for, it's for people that will you know that like stuff like you know the new Menzingers record and you know like uh, you know Dillinger Four, but you know want a little uh, you know dirtier edge to it. Even though both of those bands obviously have that element as well, but yeah, just For sure. I don't know. It was it was a it, it was a great balance between all those different worlds. Well, it's it's interesting that you mentioned Hot Snakes because like in a lot of write ups, like and, and I've seen them like reference you know like oh we you know we really like Hot Snakes. They were kind of an influence, but. Seeing them this past weekend and the last couple times I've seen them, uh, like going back and listening to the rest of the record, I'm like, man, this is like poppy shellac. Like that's what really oh, yeah. kind of hits me with it where it's like it's got this kind of driving repetitiveness and like the way the guy sings is just very acerbic. And even the lyrics like in the song Brother where he's like, you're not my brother, you're some other motherfucker's brother. Like that's a Steve Albini line if I've ever heard one. And uh, that that's kind of what – really has set in for me i think recently when i first saw him i was like oh you know kind of garage punk indie punk what have you and then like all of a sudden like seeing them like jam on some of the songs and play the new stuff it was like man this is like if shellac was like not overly like not super heavy like really clean tone guitar tones that just cut through everything and but still have that kind of like i I mean (laughs) um obviously very like Chicago style to them. Like they remind me of shellac and seeing them live. It reminds me a lot of seeing Alkaline Trio in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Like they don't sound like them, but something about their performance, like really takes me back to like seeing Alkaline Trio when I was a younger gentleman. So that's part of why I recommended it is because it's like super fucking Chicago influenced, which I love. Um, But I, I think they're kind of doing something that I think they're doing it in their own way. They aren't, you know, using all the same reference points that you see again and again and again. And 
you know, even the new songs they played this past weekend, I was like, all right, I can't wait to hear these recorded, and I can't wait to see what the next step is for for these dudes. Yeah, no, I, I I love that you know you you definitely hit on an interesting point in regards to like the, the Chicago sound and like obviously Alkaline Trio and it's like you know the images of the Fireside Bowl immediately come into my head where it was like oh yeah like these dudes not only would they have played out of their out of sheer function because of that was the venue you played uh, when it existed but yeah I could easily see you know some bands that exist within the certain context of of a dependent scene. Um, don't translate to other cities or, or a more, you know, nationally, uh, appealing. Like there's this bit, there's that band from Louisville, uh, the national acrobat mm-hmm. where they yeah. were like, you know, I, I saw them a few times in a few different cities across the country. And like the only place that they really did well was Louisville. Like every other place just kind of looked at them like, oh, I don't know what you guys got going on, but well, that's funny because I feel that way. Like, that's very true of Louisville, like just in general, like a lot of bands out of there, you know, have can even have like decent national followings like Coliseum, Young Widows, those type of bands. But like Louisville is where people go fucking nuts for them. Yeah, true. And it, it's, it's just like there's something in the water there that like makes those bands sound a certain way, have a certain, you know, like outlook and viewpoint and aesthetic that doesn't always translate to places that maybe don't understand that region so specifically and so well. Yeah, it's cool. Like, I, I just like that point that you said where it's like, yeah, they're very obviously Chicago influenced and, you know, they're waving that banner high, but it's like, it's not so uh, limiting to where it's like, cool, you're literally only going to see us, you know, in, in the Midwest and in the suburbs of, of, of this particular geographical location. Well, and I, I promise next time I'll stop picking such like Midwest specific bullshit and like open no, up. I love no, no, I love it because I mean it's it just shows personal interest. But it, it sometimes I think a lot of the the context is is stripped away from music as far as like where bands are located. Like I'm always you know I think like the first or second question out of my mouth anytime anybody talks about a particular band, whether it's like oh should I sign this band or whatever, I'm always like oh where are they from? And it's like yeah. oh, oh they're from you know wow, they're from Nova Scotia. It's like, well, that's interesting that they're creating that music devoid of having any sort of scene up there or whatever, you know? It's like, you always want to know where they're from. I, I completely agree because, you know, there's a lot of talk of how the internet has changed music and the importance of touring, this and the other. And I do think, to a degree, it allows bands to bring in new influences, but th- there is something just very honest and true about a band that is influenced from where they're from. Like, I think where you're from does make a difference on how you sound to a degree. It doesn't necessarily inform it entirely, but I, I do think it plays a role that still shines through even in this internet digital age. Yeah, totally. And I, this is, I've had recent conversations with people in regards to, um, you know, certain particular bands where it's, it's easy for bands to be band members to be located all across the country. Now the ease of writing over the internet, like all that stuff's awesome, but then it, it does, if a band's origin is not, is not, tied to one geographical location and everybody's kind of spread all over the place, you do feel this kind of sort of like uh, faceless identity that is rooted in a band. And like, you can totally tell where it's like, you know, whatever, even a band like a lot of spute whose members live all over the place. Now uh, their origins <laughs> were from a very specific place. And that, you know, that still influences their sound today. Whereas, you know, other bands like that start like, Oh, this dude lives in Southern California and this dude lives in Florida and like, they're just together to play. And, you you definitely lose a little bit of that. Yeah, and, and not to completely go down this tangent, but like I think it's it, it can be really telling when a band does lose it or 
you know, is just kind of like, you know, it, when you're playing with someone, it's fucking great the first time you kick into a new song. And, like, even if it's not a great song, you're just stoked on it. And I think a lot of bands that, you know, do, you know, kind of spread out, not all of them, but I think some of them do falter, like, coming back together. They're just so, like, jazzed to play with one another that it doesn't really matter what they're playing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's harder, but I think it also, it, it does make it easier. There are great projects that come out of, uh, relationships and art bands that are formed that way and on the flip side sometimes it doesn't work but I, I just think it makes it more interesting because you know location matters and it also kind of doesn't the the damned if you do damned if you don't sort of thing but it's like when you do have a, a band that you feel that attachment and that sound develop from an area it's like you can't help but but you know, smile or it's like, Oh, that's, that's great. I see. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's where they're from. I kind of heard that. I didn't know that they were from there. Exactly. You know, for sure. Um, so now I kind of, I want to switch into your record because one, I was also thinking of suggesting mm-hmm. it's, it's the new white long deep fantasy. Were you, or are you a fan of that band? Like prior to this record, were they on your radar? Yeah, I was. They, uh, I got clued into them. I want to say it was like around two ish or so years ago, maybe a little prior to that, but it, it was, it was around the re- release of their last one, which I think was sorry, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Sorry was the last one. Yeah. On deranged. And it's just a friend of mine that uh, I used to work with at uh, various record labels. He lived in Seattle and was like, hey, I saw these guys and I just think that you would be into them. And it was it was one of those things like I trust his opinion, but I just didn't immediately check it out. And then two weeks later, I finally got around to listening to it. And, I, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, God, I'm an idiot for not listening to this sooner. Like, this is incredible. Um, it's just, you know, that weird amalgamation of, you know, punk, indie rock, but played by females really aggressively like there's just so many things that it, it 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 you know resonated with me and so i immediately fell head over heels in love with that record actually mish the vocalist she was a early guest on this this podcast she was actually the first female i interviewed for the podcast really <laughs> yeah yeah which i felt i felt good about oh she's a really fascinating person like band or no band like with how much writing she's done like even as the band was kind of starting to get going and uh i, I just think she has a very interesting perspective in song and then just outside of that. Oh, totally. And I, one of my, one of my favorite moments of that particular interview was the fact that I compared them to Pretty Girls Make Graves and she immediately was like, oh yeah, I fucking hate that band. And I was like, oh, cool. Glad I mentioned that. <laughs> That's, I love shit like that though because like I was thinking of it when we were talking about Meat Wave and I was like, I wonder if me comparing them to Alkaline Trio would have them go like, oh, cool. Or be like, oh, dude, fuck, man. Totally. You know? And and I, I find that kind of stuff interesting because with White Lung, the, the one comparison I always go back to with the way Mish sings, and, and this is something I've said to a lot of people who are like, dude, you're out of your mind. But the way she phrases uh, her lines, the way she like pairs her voice with the music and the way she presents it, it reminds me so much of Davey Havoc. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just like, la, da, 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 da. And like, it's that kind of like, very like, elongated endings of you know vocal phrases very punchy words leading up to it like four or five words and then elongated like kind of woey thing that like since i first heard them i was like they don't sound like afi 
as a band, but the way she puts her words together and her lines reminds me so much of, you know, early AFI. Yeah. Great. Total great comparison. But yeah, the, I I think what made me want to pick this record for us to discuss was just, it's obviously hard to improve on a sound that you kind of, you know, come out the gate sort of doing well. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, that's what I think was impressive about this record where it's like, it's not drastically different than their last one, but in the production value, in just kind of the way that the uh, the tightness of the band just seems to kind of, you know, edged up a bit where it's like, I think because of that and the production where it just, it made the record all that more impactful because those just those little minor improvements. Like It's like, you know, oh yeah, I got a 95% on this test. And it's like, but man, you, you getting a 98% percent on that test like that was that that was a huge difference you know it made it it made all the difference well and that's the thing too is like i i really love sorry and i love the record before not as much but this new one it didn't hit me at first because it was kind of what i expected right once i really like sat with it and like listened to it with headphones did, did the whole thing i was just so impressed with how subtly technical it is. Like some of those guitarists, I'm like, what are you doing? Totally. I, I don't know how you play this fast and make it sound this aggressive when you're playing these intricate, like single note surf riffs throughout. And it's just, it's something that once it hit, it just really stuck with me how impressive and how quickly they can accomplish something in like 10 songs in 22 minutes. It's just, they get in, they don't fuck around, but they're still doing something that is you know, really unlike a lot of other people in hardcore punk, whatever you want to call it. Wholeheartedly agree. It's, it's definitely, it's, it's as simple as possible with, as far as the approach is concerned, but insanely technical in in their musical delivery. I think you can play this for like anybody that is familiar with independent music in general. And they're going to have that same sort of like visceral reaction of just like, wait, who is this? It's like, it's that perfect record store record where if you're working at the record store, you put on and you're no matter what, you're going to have at least one or two people come up to you and be like, Hey, what is this you're playing? (laughs) Oh, exactly. And like, it's just, it's such a fucking honest record. There's no pretension to this band, which, you know, as punk and hardcore becomes a little more accepted and a little more popular, you see these bands like popping up on bigger festivals. Like, I don't think they've really lost their heart and I don't think they've lost that perspective. I'm not saying that's something that always happens with bands, but you know, it is a concern when a band goes from like talking about, you know, shit that's a little off kilter and, and kind of having their own approach and, and then gets this acceptance. And I think they've, they've made these logical steps and I'm just glad there's a band like them who is really unrelenting. Like they don't, you know, throw a ballad in midway through a record. <laughs> They just hit you and they continue to hit you until it's over. And I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's a that's a perfect cherry on top of the uh, the the musical recommendation Sunday, as it were. So thank for you. Sure. Well, we've been agreeing so much. I feel like next time I need to pick something you're going to absolutely hate. I know. Maybe, uh, may, yeah, maybe we should make that a theme for the next the next round, where it's like we'll we'll both actively try to uh, stretch, like you know, go into our dark corners of like, all right, dude. A lot of people think that I'm crazy for liking this. So yeah, let's let's bum each other out next time. <laughs> All right, I'm into it. Uh, sign me up. <laughs> well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. All right, pleasure, Ray. Take care. All right, thank you very much, Dave Anthony. I really appreciate him wanting to contribute and hang out 
So, and I hope you enjoy it because I, I do get feedback from people saying, hey, I love recommendations. I love being pointed in directions of cool stuff to check out. So there may be a future bonus episode with a other contributor that uh, I have done some stuff with before. His name is Scott Arnold, a very good friend of mine, and he has very eclectic tastes and he is a man of the world. So uh, yeah, there may be a bonus episode for those of you that just absolutely adore recommendations and cool stuff to check out. So anyways, Dave Quiggle, he lives about an hour and a half away from me. And the reason I mentioned that is because uh, there was, we were corresponding. He initially was like, you know, thanks for the offer, but I don't, I don't know if I really, uh, you know, not that he didn't want to do this, but that he just didn't feel comfortable. I could tell there was some hesitation. Uh, He was nice about it, but he was like, I don't know about this. Then I was like, dude, I'll come out to you. It'll be fun. You'll enjoy it. I promise. Because uh, usually, I mean, I'm a person that, you know, I'll talk to anybody. If anybody's like, hey, I'll do an interview or whatever, I'm like, sure. I honestly don't really give uh, two thoughts into it besides the fact I'm like, oh, okay, this this is a legitimate person asking for an interview or whatever. So Dave, uh, he is a very private and introverted person. So it was really interesting when I first showed up at his house and he invited me in. He kind of started to, uh, you know, reveal to me. He's like, hey, I'm really nervous about this. And not in a, oh, man, uh, I don't know what I'm going to say to you, that sort of stuff. But just in a, you know, he coming from, a, I could tell, a very sort of, you know, insecure, deep-rooted thing. And it was really interesting for me to uh, talk with him because, honestly, once he revealed that to me, I was really like, oh, wow, okay. I need to make sure that I am, uh, you know, doing my due diligence as the interviewer to not put him in a position where he feels, you know, uncomfortable, stupid, whatever. After the conversation, it was like, oh, do you see, Dave, you didn't need to be worried about that. And I also felt better because I felt like I accomplished something in regards to ushering a person through a technically uncomfortable experience for them. So it was great. I just had to share that sort of background because it was a very interesting thing that Dave put out there. And honestly, I really appreciate the fact that he told me that he put himself out there like this. So anyways, Dave is a great guy, a amazing artist, tattoo artist, works at Face End Records. I'll let him do the talking. Here he is. of doing something because it's like yes. th- this was actually something I was going to address and we're recording now but okay. this was something I was going to address where because you are self I mean artists in general um, when I'm talking about artistry not like playing in bands sure. are you know the, the the typical sort of connotation is that you know like you're shut in like oh yeah you're just yes. you're just sitting here yeah. and like you and you are a self-proclaimed introvert yeah and so you've from everybody that's ever known or that i've spoken to in all my dealings with you it's you've been you know professional and nice and like has it been something you've had to like learn how to be sociable yes for sure (laughs) okay well for one thing i usually usually just love you know friends family people i know but with when you mean sociable, like social media and stuff like that, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm petrified of it. I only do it because I have to. Right. It's it like was, a function of the business. Yeah. Sure. I would be on Facebook just to uh, creep on all my friends and, oh, how are they doing? Yeah, How's yeah. my grandma? And, you sure, know, you're all right. Stuff. But I have no interest of posting, like, here's what I ate or any of that kind of stuff, you know. But I, I feel like I have to. Like, okay, I'm an artist. If people are going to be interested in my art, it's just logical. I have to put it out there. Right, right, right. So that that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, social media, I could see where, like, that's, that's, 
I mean, because you can never calculate for these things in advance, right, right. and then it comes, and then you're like, well, I guess I have to adapt and like right, right. figure out how this medium will be appropriately used for what I'm yeah. trying to do. Yeah, well, I have that analysis paralysis thing where, you know, if I have an opinion on any subject, even not a, you know, not a hot-button issue or anything, yeah. just, you know, what's better, bacon or ham, or, you know, any kind right. of, like, pie <laughs> or cake, and right. I'll be like, I don't want to say pie because all my friends who hate pie will be mad at me. You know, it, it, and it's it's all irrational and doesn't right. make any sense. Has and that has that been like who you are like throughout? Like has that been thread that's been constant in your life? Not really, because with my actual you know analog reality friends, yeah, I yeah. have no problem expressing expressing yeah, yeah. opinions, and um, it's just that whole you know. Forums, once it's once it's yeah, yeah sure, and people misrepresenting and you know yeah. that kind of stuff just paralyzes me sort of so. that's interesting because i mean it's like obviously with all the music you've done and the the i mean disciple like right, yeah. that couldn't be further from the truth right exactly. so why, why why is there such a, a disconnect there i'm full of contradictions and i right well why. everybody is yeah. right yeah so it and it, and it drives me crazy was it was it because you felt like you were in a safer environment in a band that you could like express more uh i guess opinions for lack of a better I term think so yeah yeah in a way i think that's that's true yeah you know and there i mean literally my brother was in my band with me so right it was, you know we're together and we all share this view whether it's straight edge or whatever and yeah you know yeah i guess yeah it is a contradiction because on my in my personal life um i'm just kind of i guess it's just a, a nervousness of uh -huh. putting anything on record of course yeah, yeah that to me that's symptomatic of of existing obviously before you know people documenting their lives like how they are now yeah. like that that Sometimes it comes naturally for people, and then there are times, like, it's like, I mean, my wife is a perfect example in the fact, like, she's a high school English teacher, she's literally on not on one social network, but, right. and primarily because she, like you, is just like, I'm not, like, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Like, she clearly doesn't need to do it before her profession, sure. but it's that, and she constantly is just like, I don't get why you are interested in that, Ray. I'm like, well, I mean, clearly, like, that's, I'm an outgoing person. Yeah. It's so funny because it's like, I mean, in some of my first exposures to you was, I mean, like, what you were doing yeah, musically sure. and everything like that it was like when when Chris Logan first signed uh Taken to Goodfellow and then uh, it was I, I want to say it was either shortly before or shortly after you got like he decided to put out Disciple stuff yeah I think it was before yeah yeah like he signed you guys before us um and I just remember because this was in the day and age where obviously like the internet wasn't as you know it was in its infancy but there was such a such a dividing line where it's like here is this guy, Chris Logan, who is like a devout atheist, like yeah. has expressed it. What is he doing working with like a Christian hardcore band? Yeah. I just remember that being such a thing of yeah. like, yeah. wow, like that's sending ripple effects. Yeah, um, right. And I, pr I presume that was like one of the reasons why you guys wanted to like take that step and work with him. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Because we didn't really like the whole, well, first of all, when we started our band, uh -huh. it was sort of a natural desire, like, you know, calling it a Christian band or whatever. Right. It was. It wasn't. There wasn't really a precedent set for that. We no. knew of no no innocent victim. There was some West Coast. Sure. There was nothing on the East Coast, and we didn't think, hey, this is a niche or any kind of thing like that. We right. just thought, you know, we're straight edge. Mm -hmm. Here's what we all happen to believe, and this band is all about what we believe. It wasn't like let's label this or anything. This and, is calculated. Yeah. Right. We're it was, fitting into a market here. Right. Because right. there was no market, and I couldn't imagine that it would ever 
keep growing. The I, ne- I, I It's funny you mentioning that right now. It never really even occurred to me because yeah, like the the Northeast in general, like I, I can't I can't literally think of a band like especially in that era that was you know right. espousing Christianity and all. Right. Like it was it was West Coast or the South. Right. Right. And that was it. And so we didn't want or even think about having an audience in that world. Sure. Later when we went and played Cornerstone and we saw it growing with Tooth and Nail. <laughs> oh, this is know, a thing. Yeah. yeah, we were like, whoa. And we <laughs> deliberately said, we appreciate that this is that this exists yeah. and it's kind of cool, uh-huh. but this isn't what we do or where we're from, and we wanted to consciously not do that. Right. You know, even Face Down Records, which was kind of starting at the time, right. it wasn't a thing that, let's get on Face Down Records because they're Christians and we're Christians. We were more right. like... Let's, you know, when we saw Chris Logan and he was, you know, he's, he's gone on record several times, you know, saying that you're one of my favorite bands and it's my yep. favorite release. And it always just blows me away that he says that. Right. You know, cause signing us is one thing. Like you said, the ripple effect, like, right. whoa, he's willing to give them a voice on his label. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But to have him actually like it. Right. <laughs> right. Is another thing. Yeah, right? totally. And be like, you know, in, in the, you know, complete opposition of like what a band stands for. But it's like, I just love the idea that you can peel this away and be like, ideas can be expressed in no matter what form right. within, especially independent music where it's like, you, you know, you shouldn't be muzzled. Right. And I love that. And yeah. that's what I loved about hardcore from the beginning. Right. Is someone could say something that you totally disagree with, but you admire their passion for doing it. Right. And just that, you know, media of doing that. Right. And that's all we, that's what we are coming from is, you know, we're not trying to have this like crazy agenda or anything, you know, mm-hmm. and just, let's just be who we are. Right. And unfilter it. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want to you want to put out. I mean, especially when you're that age, you're not really thinking of like an honest representation of yourself. It's usually just like you're, you're, it's reactionary. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, yeah, this is what we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm presenting the world. Then later, there's YouTube with right. a video of your early shows, and you cringe and never look at you know. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. How I many, don't know. I don't know why you always think it's a good idea to film like your first couple shows. I remember playing with Integrity and Erie at the Continental Ballroom, and uh-huh. it was the most amazing show. Right. And it was chaos, but that beautiful kind of chaos. And someone taped it, and we all went back to a show later, and we're like, oh, we're going to watch it. And I remember watching five minutes of it and saying, no, it was much, much better than that. Right, right, right. (laughs) Just being so bummed. Like, I wish I had never seen it. Right, right. I wish, yeah, I wish I could just act like that didn't happen in my own head, and that memory lives. The experience was amazing. Right. You know, things were flying in the air, debris, people, you know, sneakers were flying all over the place. It was to the roof. And then on the video, it looked like, yeah, there's some commotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it looks kind of tame. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so were you, were you born and raised in that? In like, because Erie, PA. Like, yeah. I mean, were you born and raised there? Yes. Or Okay. Because yeah. that's it. That's a steel town, correct? Or is that just like kind of um, a working class town? I've only honestly driven through there. I haven't, I never played there. Well, you know, back when I was growing up, uh, GE was the, the heart okay. of it. Kind of still is the only remaining factory mm-hmm. kind of thing. But my dad worked at a... Uh, Paper mill called Hammer Mill, which oh, yeah, yeah. should have X's on it, right? right. X Hammer Mill X. Dude, I never. <laughs> there are certain things. Yeah. the the, the uh, you know hardcore and non-hardcore places yeah. like yeah. that is totally Hammer true. Mill. Like, yeah. I should I, I wish I could go back and rename Disciple Hammer Mill. Hammer Mill, that's perfect. Right. After yeah. My as dad's. as an homage to your father, like, hey, dad, there we go. Right. So they they were a paper mill, and um, there was a plastics factory. So okay. a lot of blue collar. I've heard it said that you know nothing nothing is ever finished. In uh, Erie and marketed, okay. it's only that middle step of oh, being okay. produced, and sure. then it goes on to shipped out larger cities else. where it's 
you know, marketed and put out to, you know. Yeah. So there's the paper, the plastic parts, all the stuff, and then it all goes on It all goes else. somewhere yeah. else. Uh, what was your family structure like? Like you mentioned, your brother's younger or older than you? I'm the oldest. Okay. Then there's my brother, Dan, who's three years younger. Okay. Then Joel, who's younger than him, and then... Uh, baby girl at the end, 10 years younger than me. Wow. So. <laughs> they were like, we've had three boys. Yeah. We really have to try chance. for a girl. One last chance, yeah. <laughs> way too way too much testosterone in here. <laughs> yeah, so you're, sure. uh, did your mom work or she primarily took care of you guys? She took care of us until we were older and then she started working. Okay. So now she works uh, police and safety at, at a college. And, oh, nice. Nice. Uh, Penn State. And, yeah. And so what was your, uh, you know, the, the I mean, the as you were as you were growing up the you know kind of formative years once you started to like you hit high school and that sort of stuff you know what kid did you find yourself being like i mean obviously an introvert as we kind of <laughs> yeah yeah um skinny and short okay uh shy quiet my dad used to laugh and say yeah we went to your you know parent teacher conferences and they all say the same thing quiet keeps to himself right right, right. you know and i, th- I thought oh, I, I wonder if that that's me then yeah, yeah, yeah you know but definitely avoiding sitting in the back not sure. raising my hand into Transformers, G.I. Joe. Sure. The fan- the fantasy worlds that you could kind of create. Yeah, yeah. Comic books, you know. Okay. Par for the course for that kind of kid, you know. Uh, yeah, and I imagine sports were not on the... Sports were not into it. I did play baseball, but it was kind of a... You know, my dad said, hey, you want to try baseball? And I... Yeah, of course. I wasn't old enough yet to fear it, so I did it and right. learned to fear it. And then totally, uh, once you get hit by that first pitch, it's yeah. like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, because you know there was there was the one kid from the one team who was like, you know, heads and heads and shoulders above all the rest of the kids. He was growing, hitting puberty. His voice was cracking. Yeah, and he was just whipping those balls so fast, and they were just erratic. Yeah. Right. And you know, we'd play against that team. Oh, this is the team with you know Darren or whatever. Right, right, right. Darren. Was yeah, just, that oh! fear. <laughs> You always you always have that sort of like the 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 lore that's around certain you know uh, sports in regards to you know your your leagues where it's like oh yeah dude, like dude when you play that yeah. team like watch out for that kid he's the yeah. he's the phenom and then you're like then you're yeah. terrified already right terrified and you want to talk about blue collar city my my uh, little league baseball team was called UE Local Five O Six. <laughs> Union team. You guys are teamsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah team, literally teamsters. You have no choice. <laughs> did spirituality and religion like play a part of your upbringing? Like, were your did your parents raise you to be that, and you, or you chose it later, or how did that? It's both. Okay. They raised us in it. We went to church, whether we wanted to or not, of course. kind of thing. And you know, I daydreamed through the whole thing. And yeah. When you get older, you say, oh, "Is this something I really believe, or is this where I?" Kind of go, hey, thanks, mom and dad. That was a nice structure, but we're out of here. Right. And when did when did you hit that wall? As far as like you having to make that decision for yourself. Uh, it's it's there wasn't a clear cut moment. Sure. There was definitely like like high late late high school or like yeah. There was oh, a moment okay. where it was, is this real? Okay, I think it is. Right. And then there's growing up and going to college, expanding your mind and all that sort of thing, and then saying again, is this real? Yeah. Like, what is what you know? Am I? Once you're, yeah, I, I have find I been drinking Kool Aid. Have I, you know, totally. Have I? Once you're armed, yeah. once you're armed to ask those questions, right? That's when it's like, because you you literally don't have the vocabulary to do it when right. you're younger, and then when you're armed with it, that's when you you know you obviously should have those questions yeah. asked of yourself. They're, great. They're good questions. They're important questions. If you don't ask, you know, then you're just kind of yeah. You're never going beyond that because all, all children just believe what their parents say, which right. is good because parents say, "Don't put your hand in the fire." That's gonna hurt you right and then later you kind of believe that right, right. <laughs> yeah you, know? you either learn by right. learn by doing or be like oh no i see why they say that yeah yeah 
there's reasoning behind that. But then some of it you realize, hey, you know, uh-huh. that that's not really the way it is. Or right, right. They, yeah, they were they were just saying that to protect me, but right, there's something else out there. Right. Um, and so, so when did uh, when did music start to kind of you know infiltrate your your life and be introduced? Um, way early on, my family was musical, but in the church way. Oh, so okay. my parents still do sing at church, you know, sure. special music. So they get up there and they'll sing to an accompaniment track. And, okay. And that was always a, a thing. Yeah. Know, where it was, my parents sang all the time, but we didn't really listen to the radio or any of that kind sure. of thing. Sure. So, yeah, you were, you, know, you were dabbling in the secular music world, right? Right. Yeah. So then when I heard, uh, you know, MTV was, a, was the whole, you know, just like millions of people, you know, yeah, and Huey Lewis in the news, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw that, and I thought, oh, I like this. Yeah, this is good. This is good. This right. Is, this is yeah. not like what I've heard for the past right. like five years of my life. Yeah, yeah, Huey Lewis in the news. That was like you know hardcore indie music to me. Of course. Yeah, cutting edge. <laughs> right. Right. I remember just that desire of like, how can I get this? Mm-hmm. You know, and a cassette was ten dollars, and ten dollars might as well have been you know, $500 to me. Right, right. You know, we're talking 1985. Mm-hmm. And I just coveted getting that album, you know. Right. And then almost, and I still, I, I, I want to go back and find out why and how this happened. Mm-hmm. But one day at school, after probably wanting to get that cassette for six months to a year, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, just that isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Just watch on TV when my parents are gone and hope for I want a new drug to come on or something. Sure, sure. And then uh, in the morning announcements for school, they just said, would Dave Quiggle and Laura such and such come down to the office? Mm-hmm. Okay, come down to the office. And the lady said, what music would you like? And I said, uh, yeah. and it was almost like, you yeah. know, yeah. I, I almost just blur you lose records. <laughs> Like Christmas story, yeah, football. Yeah, football. Yeah, football. Yeah, the pressure order. Right, right. It was, it was. I can't believe this. Am I dreaming? Like someone's just saying, "Do you want this?" I don't know if it was like a music public school initiative kind of thing. Yeah. And but I said, "He was in the news, sports for sure." And then you know, a week later, it was come down to the office again, and they gave it to me. Nothing that's... to sign. Nothing to. That's so weird. Nothing to join. It was like yeah, the, it wasn't like Columbia House or it anything. It was like yeah. the heavens said, "He must have this." Right. This is a presentation. He's wanted this for too long. Did that happen to other like other people at the school, like other friends and stuff? Or yeah, what? because my my one friend she wanted Purple Rain, and then her parents were like, "No, no, no." <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, she got Purple Rain, and you know, and they got immediately taken and, away. Immediately, just like no, you know. So you know, wow, that's so weird. That's I mean that yeah. that that is literally like you know divine inspiration like that could yeah. not that that could not yeah. mean any other thing yeah i wonder i mean i'm sure if i went back to that school and asked they would just look at me like i don't that's stupid no that yeah, we yeah, wouldn't yeah. do that or those people are long gone and i don't know right but it must have been all i can imagine is it's something they were trying like getting kids Let's get interested engaged. in a music is getting them off the streets kind yeah of thing. no totally yeah, yeah. so maybe it was that i don't know why it'd be so random right like, yeah why me you know? right 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 they heard i wanted that i made it known that i wanted that <laughs> right it was clear yeah, yeah. Dave, dave really wants that record i guess we'll try to give it to him <laughs> so you know of course i played that album out and then got into i think the outfield was the next okay you know next cassette on the list and, sure sure and then everything like like most people who get into hardcore, it just gets heavier and heavier. So right. You just started rock, desiring metal. Sure. Thrash. Amazing. So once you're, I mean, you're, especially 
what I always find interesting in, is when you're raised in a spiritual context, like once you start to try to desire things that are obviously like not of your parents' yeah. approval, uh-huh. how did that all start to transpire? Where <laughs> they were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. Dave is turning up wrong. Well, as you can imagine, um, Huey Lewis in the News was not a problem. Right. My dad yeah, was, that like, was, my dad was like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, we're a family trip. Why don't you pass that Huey Lewis in the news cassette up? <laughs> sure. And we listen no to controversy yeah, here. No problem. But then when it started to get into uh, other things, I remember my parents sat down with me and were like, let's listen to what you're listening to. And it was kind of good for them because they weren't just like, no. Oh, they were that's like, good. They were like, let's check this out with you. And they were like, oh, okay, well, this has a lot of, you know. Yeah, questionable themes or right, lyrics right, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So hev- heavily, you know, sexualized or something. And mm-hmm. Just so you're aware of that. But then something happened later where, probably when I started getting into some harder music, they, there was a time where my mom just threw out all my music. Really? Yeah. Just was said, I'm sorry. I came home from school. I'm sorry. I just looked at all your music and it was, you know. Yeah. You know, it's probably mm-hmm. stuff like Anthrax. And, of course. You know. Of course. Yeah. This, uh, <clears throat> I definitely remember, I mean, when I first started to go into like, you know, whatever, Towers or whatever. And yeah. I'm like looking at Cannibal Corpse records <laughs> and just being like. Dude, like, dare, just... Dare I? I know. I mean, I was I was like, I, I for sure know I'm not going to buy this. But yeah. it's just like, just, the, I mean, just looking at the song titles where it's just like, oh, yeah, entrails ripped from a virgin's cunt. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, right, yeah. And just like, it, like, not even being able to, like, first of all, understand what it means. But then second of all, to just be like, oh, like, I think I need to bring this home. I was just like, I can only look at it from a distance. Right. I, I mean, don't, yeah. I don't think I would have dared to go that Oh, no, far, no, no, yeah, that is, like, that's push, yeah, that's an extreme right, example, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, also, I think in the 80s, I mean, I, and I think, like, my parents had the right approach with, let's talk about what you're into, yeah, let's that's be a, involved in it, that's awesome, that's what I try to do with being a parent, and... right. It didn't swing the other direction to where it was just like they were completely reactionary right. and like didn't even have a conversation right. with you. Besides, but the, in the eighties, it was all that fear mongering. Probably happens today too, just in a different way. But you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Of course, you, you hear Dungeons and Dragons, and you're a parent in the eighties, and you think, oh, that means my son's going to go tie someone up in the woods, and of course, yeah, and then kill himself afterwards. Right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, and, and so there was all that fear. You know, my parents were definitely taken to that side of things they're you know great parents and all that but you know yeah a little nervous for their kids in of a course. culture where they didn't know where things were gonna go right and, and, and now and, we look back at twisted sister and we're like <laughs> look at how silly yeah but at the cute. time it was like those yeah. people are gonna harm my children <laughs> right yeah and i and it, it it's also where it's just like especially from the, the the connotation that it's like if you're receiving you know your your input from like one or two sources it's like it's hard to understand, like, because every single one of us now has, like, five million things that we can yeah, figure out. Yeah. So it's like, if they're hearing from one or two things and they're both having the same message, then, like, that'll be consistent. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this will this will corrupt my children. Like, Right. Yeah. Th- this logical. is provable. Did you react badly to that once you started, once the, the, the hammer came down as, as far as, like, all right, well, I'm going to push harder. I'm going to go farther away from... from Actually, no, that that seems like that would be the next step. Sure. My, my my mom, and this is to her credit or blame, whichever yeah. way, said, I threw out your music uh-huh. because I did that. I'm sorry, but I'm going to buy you whatever you want from the Christian bookstore. Wow. Which I thought, no, thank you, yeah, but yeah. I'll take it. Right. And, you know, my mom wasn't doing it out of like... I hate your music and your choices. And so I didn't feel this need to rebel. I just kind of thought this sucks. Right. My mom's not a mean person, but it sucks what she did. And I'll, I'll take that option. So I, 
bought a bunch of crappy. Yeah, I yeah. tried to like it, but it was terrible. You right. Know? And, this is like, oh, this is yeah. this is clearly a C-rate version right. of whatever it was I was listening to. And so I went the way of, okay, I'm still going to buy Anthrax and Metallica, and right. I'm going to hide it under my bed now. Sure. Now yep. it's now it's going underground. It's right. hiding. Yeah, and that... so I did that for a while, you know. Okay, okay. Where it started where I was like, I'm just going to have these three cassettes. That's all I need. Of all course. I need is Master Puppets, right. Among the Living, and, you know, it was just rationalizing. Of course. I, I won't let this get out of hand. I'm just going to have these, you know. I love that. I could stop I... whenever I want. <laughs> total, total drug addict. Yeah. So I've got these under my bed, and I'm just going to, you know, that's it. And then that grew to where it was an ocean of right. cassettes under my bed. To where it was like this any, is obvious. any minute. You know, any minute it's going to be like, pull back the mattress and just right. horror. Yeah, it, it, it's, I just love the idea where it's like, typically, you know, oh, there there could be pornography under there. And it's like, what are all these cassettes? Yeah. What's all this music? It's so good. Because when did Disciples start playing? Was that your first band? No, I okay. had a band before that. Okay. With uh, some of the guys who went on to be in Disciple. Okay. And then my brother was in a hardcore band, you know, all just local stuff. And, um, okay. And we were in these bands and had our... Was that was that kind of in high school that you started to play in bands, or was it post-high mm, school? High school's when I got into hardcore and going to shows. Okay. I think it was between high school and college that I was like, I think I want to start a band. Okay. And um, my cousin, Gary, was in uh, a band called Something to Prove. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Of course. <laughs> Some later, Brothers Keeper and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So, you know local stuff and we considered integrity and you know despair because uh, Erie for anyone who doesn't know is right in the middle yeah so we have Pittsburgh a couple hours south you know Ohio or at Cleveland mm -hmm. an hour and a half yeah. west and then Buffalo so I mean we we're right in the middle where you know despair was coming down all the time slugfest and uh integrity was coming over all the time so this was our local right yeah. it was it was so interesting to see that scene specifically just get focused on like i mean honestly in the same way that like to a lesser extent but like you know like louisville or whatever it's like once yeah. these cities kind of started to pop up where it was like you either saw why it happened or with erie where you were like oh yeah. that's the middle like yeah, that was on the way to other right. things yeah. so i guess that we can stop off here because there are bands here so i guess right. we can kind of play right. um so it was i'm sure it was cool from your guys's perspective because it was like you were able to exist in a scene, but in a town that isn't so like over inundated with, you know, right stuff in general. Right. Yeah. It had a bigger hardcore scene than Pittsburgh. Right. Know? And Pittsburgh is just right. a much larger city. And um, I feel like a lot of that is due to the local bands like, you know, Mike Ski and Something yeah. Approved starting. And there were a lot of other ones. Uh, I'm trying to think of the rest, but, you know, all these local bands, Abnegation was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I think because we had the local thing growing. Right. I mean, there was a time when Disciple played and Hatebreed came out, and it, it was the first uh, Satisfaction on Victory. Satisfaction, oh, yeah. Satisfaction, Death of Desire. And it just came out, wasn't fully yeah, recognized realized, yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it just came out. But they had a huge following right. with their with their demo and stuff like that, their 7-inch and all their comps. It was a Hatebreed <clears throat> Disciple show in Erie. Mm -hmm. And I remember being so excited to see Hatebreed, you know, in my hometown, and we get to play with Hatebreed. Right, and this right. is before Hatebreed's Hatebreed, you know. Yeah. And they they came and they played, and we played right before them, as is proper. Right. And it was the biggest show ever, you know, 500 plus kids, stage right. dives, insanity. 
And then after Disciple played, it cut down to about half. Oh, dude. That's... And I was embarrassed for my city. And, you know, but then also thinking, wow, this is very strange that right. local is placed, in Erie, is placed higher than national. Right. And a lot of that must have been just because of, you know. Yeah, just because of the, 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 I mean, especially too from the, like, the, I'm sure there was a lot of kids that were into you guys specifically because you know, you were a local band and right. there was that, there's that, there's always that sense of pride. Like, even though you probably don't recognize it when you're 14 or 15 yeah, years old, yeah, yeah. but you're just like, Oh, this is a, like, this is like an untouchable band. And they're right. from like right down. Like, this is amazing. Right. Yeah. You invest in the things that are yours, you know, and totally. Hate breed wasn't there. Wasn't theirs. Right. Later, you know, years later, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. It was know, everybody can come in and destroy, you know, yeah, 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 at yeah. that time, I remember thinking, Hate breed's going to, you know, they're headlining as they should. They're going to destroy. Right. And then when it, diminish the amount of people in the crowd i thought this is insane right. i don't understand this yeah, this doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense to me right and right. at that time we had traveled so we kind of we were out of our you had a, right you had a sense yeah. of what it what it was proper and, yes, yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly why did you even want why did you even want to play bands to begin with because obviously as we you know have spoken about before oh, it's yeah, like getting there. Yeah. the the idea of you know getting up there in front of people like you know i'm sure that was terrifying to you yeah but i think it it happened so gradually, uh-huh. like you know, we we never had lofty goals because there weren't really no, that many yeah. bands. Yeah, you, you didn't know. have a you didn't have a blueprint, right? Right, right. And so we thought that'd ah, be great. We'll play fifty of our friends, and it'll be fun. Okay, yeah, yeah. When you're starting with that mentality, you're not afraid of that. Sure. And then when it grows, it's natural and it creeps in. There was never that like suddenly it's fifty, suddenly it's five hundred, sure. and like ooh. And so I never became. I was never nervous to play yeah. in a band, which is. Right. Opposite. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. What, what college did you go to? Did you get a Edinburgh. Degree? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. you got a degree from there? Yeah. Okay. In uh, fine arts. You know, one of the other loves, or your primary source of, of income. <laughs> um, so did art creep in, like, during high school, and, like, when you were creating these sort of, like, fantasy worlds of, of, of all the stuff you were playing yeah. with as, when you were younger? Well, yeah, I was always, always drawing. Sure. You know, like most artists. You know, I always say, and it's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people say this, but all children have a knack for drawing, yeah. but then children grow out of it. Right, of course. The ones who don't are artists. Right, you know? right, right. You've so got no choice but yeah. to keep drawing. Yeah, and so I've always done that, and then when starting a band, even with starting a band, it wasn't even my first thought, like, oh, now I'll get to do art for my band. I'd right. Like, I'm going to get a real artist right. to do this. Sure. So even Disciples for 7-inch, you know, I was like, I'm not qualified for this. Yeah. And so Mike Ski did our, you know. Sure. That was, that was the one was like the, the lion and the... Yes, uh, yeah, yes, yeah. Arab 7-inch. Exactly. Yeah, with the lion on there, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I... Usually the, you have the, your one guy in the band that obviously has some sort of graphical talent, um, and that's just like out of like uh, function. Like there's like, yeah. I guess I'll do this. Right. Like it I'll was, figure this out. It was, Yeah. Everything was very natural, and I was reluctant to do it all. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. I guess I'll... All right, I guess I'll... It was the whole time. There was never this driving force. Sure. I mean, I had the creative driving force. Yeah. But I never wanted to be like, I'm going to do all the art for it, and I'm going to write the songs. It was always... I thought someone else would write the songs. And yeah. I'd just play guitar. And so the it's interesting, because I, I always find it's like, you know, when, when you have something like, you know, being an artist, and then obviously you have the other side of, of playing in a band. Like, you know, did you... Did you feel like you wanted to be, you know, the music dude or the art dude? Obviously, because you were going to school for it, I'm sure the yeah. art was was more of a, a real world application to it. But you know, yeah. But at the same time, you know, now okay, I get emails from 
you know, college graduates or yeah. kids going into college that are like, how do I get to do what you do? And I thought, I didn't plan on doing what right. I did. Well, even when I was going to college for art, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do art in the music business. Right. Because I didn't, other than Pusshead, right. <laughs> who, who yeah. do I look to? Sure. You know what I mean? At that time. And so I kind of thought, oh, you know, I'll do a comic book. I'll self-publish a comic book. And my hardcore stuff here, this is for fun and you know, for the passion of doing it and, okay. you know, doing it in the summers and it was, yeah, never... when it was convenient, right, 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 right. Yeah. We would do weekends during college and when college was out, I'd work at Kmart third shift mm-hmm. for half the summer until tour. And then I'd, you know, yeah. See you later, John. In a van right, and, right. Yeah. and it was never, never a long-term plan, you know, sure. art. I never, I never thought the two would marry Coincide. and actually, yeah. Would, uh, and so were you, uh, were your parents concerned about your choices in regards to like, oh, date like dating me an artist and he's doing all this music? Like, yeah. dude, this is terrifying. Not, not really. I would get my dad saying, you know, we'd we'd show up at home, me and my brother, because you know both in the band, yeah, show up at yeah. Home that's a that's quick. a one two punch for them. Yeah, they're just like uh, oh, both they're of, both in yeah, it. Yeah, they're both being dragged down. And you know, we'd show up just to grab pillows or something and throw them in a van, and my dad would be like, "All right, you guys got your college lockdown. You you guys." You know, you're going to college, you're doing loans, student loans. I hope you're not, you know, going right. off doing the band thing and to the dismay of, right. you know, your education. And yeah. We'd all, yeah, yeah, Dad, no, we're doing it all. Don't worry, you know. Yeah. That, but that's it. You know, they never were freaking out or any of that kind of thing. You know? That's good. That's good. Just mild parental Yeah, my, right. They're, yeah. They're, I, they're... I would have the same concern. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's so... It's... It, I mean, it's it's just completely reactionary because it's like you obviously the connotation is that you always want better for your children. So yeah. it's like when they see all this stuff that they don't understand, no matter how much you obviously right. consider, you could you could have probably sat down with them for you know forty eight hours straight and been like, here's all this, and they still would be like, yeah, still is making sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that that sort of happened. I remember always having that argument or conversation with my dad like you know don't worry we're focusing on this and this and that uh-huh. and then the band only takes up this much time and da, 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 and it's right. actually a practice every week it's a good diversion you know and, and he would by the end of the conversation he'd go i can see that no i trust you i you, i know you've got the balance yeah. and then two weeks later we'd run in to grab stuff <laughs> to go out on the road again right oh man i hope you're really giving your right you know, it was like he forgot everything that we totally. discussed and it just it, got, or like, used to it. Yeah. and and there's a, I, I always love the discussions I had with my, with my mom in particular, where it was like, you know, going on tour, like that's such a, like, I don't care how old you, well, I mean, specifically when you're, you know, in the late teens, early twenties of just like, what do you mean you're going on tour? Like yeah. you're just sleeping, like right. sleeping on people's floors. Like it's yeah. such a, like, I still like, probably like you do with your parents where it's like, I gave my mom so much credit to just be like, yeah, he'll be okay out there. And they did. Right. My parents were great in so many respects to that, where they were like, okay, we got to just trust. I mean, part of that is they had four kids. Right. And like, we, I only have one daughter. Right. And I got, me and my wife have to confer every now and then, like, okay, you know, we got to let her get away with some stuff. <laughs> or else that's right. not All of our attention is yeah. paid to this one child. Right. So because yeah. I got away with so much just because my mom was chasing around right. the little ones. And I was just... like, I guess I'll just go do what I, you know. Right, right, And right. so with having four kids, you have to just say... Well, we trust them. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. raised them as far as we could, and now 
we hopefully got, they you, don't ruin everything. Right. Yeah. We gave like we hopefully gave them some sort of building blocks yeah. where it's like hopefully they'll be able to make right decisions as they right. they move on. So as much as my mom threw out <laughs> comic books and music and stuff, she never they never really were the kind of parents that we wanted to rebel against. Right. You know right. what I mean? When I think if parents are just smoking a cigarette while they're saying, If you ever smoke, I'm gonna knock that right out of your mouth while they smoke <laughs> right. that's the kind of parents you rebel against. Of course. You're like, that doesn't make sense and I'm mad about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always thought, ah, oh, my parents, they just love us. They just worry. They don't understand, but how yeah. could they? Right, 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 you right. Know, I don't expect them to understand hardcore. I'm like my dad's like, oh, yes, counterculture, subcultures, yes. <laughs> oh, to, yeah, yeah, I got to beat it. on that. Yeah, enjoy that. <laughs> um, and so then the, the you know, the, the amount of recognition that obviously Disciple received when they were around was, was, you know, great. And then you, recognition that you started to receive as an artist. Like, when did you start to feel like, you know, people started to take what you did seriously from an artistic perspective? Hmm, good question. Like everything else, it was organic yeah. in nature where I was doing the artwork for my own bands right. and then friends' bands. So it was sure. never quite my own band. And then a national selling band where I had to go, oh, this is big. Yeah. It was my band, my friend's band, my friends of friends' bands. Oh, I guess I'm doing band's artwork now. Right. Yeah. Looks like that just kind of happened. Right. And yeah, I mean, I think with, with uh, the internet, uh-huh. And the connectivity with that, you know, and seeing, you know, people come in from all over instead of just locally. Right. And, you know, that sort of thing, you know, it, you'd be like, oh, someone in Omaha wants me to draw a logo for them. Neat. Right. You know, they're from Omaha. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah but yeah, where yeah. now you wouldn't think anything of that. Right. Because um, it's yeah. it, what, what I find interesting about your art, too, is the fact that it's like. You know, you you so clearly obviously have like your your identity in regards to like who you are, what it is that you create, like no matter what, like that voice will always be represented. Um, but it's it's cool that it's obviously permeated across like because you've worked with so many different projects that yeah. like yeah. have literally no connection to independent culture in any capacity. But it's still like it still has your voice. And so it's like that's a hard transition to like make and to be able to capture um, was it, has that, that, has that been something that you've had to like grow accustomed to? Have you had to like say no to jobs where you're just like, I don't feel comfortable with doing that sort of like whatever yeah. I'm being asked to. If I can't see it in my mind, uh-huh. you know, then I ask myself, okay, am I just being lazy? Right. But then if, if I can't see it, like applying to it, like, uh, recently mm-hmm. Disney. Right. And I don't, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. There are, you know, people like, Oh, how did you get hooked up with Disney? Don't know. Right. Don't know. Someone emailed me. Yeah. Someone emailed me. And then when I asked later, uh-huh. why did you email me? Because if you look at my work up till the Disney stuff, there's nothing that relates really. Yeah, totally. But somebody over there just thought, hey, this would be fun. This is a good art. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had to ask myself first, like, okay, this is an opportunity. Obviously, I should do it. Right. But should I do it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do, can You're I like, do... business-wise, it makes sense. Yeah. But... You know, artistically, like, would I yeah. be able to do myself with this? Right. Sure. Like, how, how could I not want to play with that property? Like, of course. Oh, you get to play with Mickey Mouse. Yeah. You know, and do whatever you not want. Not interested, right? Yeah, sorry, I just can't, I yeah. can't uh, connect that with my visual aesthetic. I can't put, X's on, I can't put X's on his hand. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> totally. And, you know, and with Disney, that's it's a very, like, they want edgy, but Disney edgy. Of which course. Which isn't edgy. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, but, it's, it's pushing, but yeah. it's ever so slightly. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. It's French vanilla as opposed to vanilla. <laughs> and so, yeah, I had to really, really ask myself, like, can I do something that I would, you know, and I, I, don't, I don't spend too much time thinking 
if someone looked at this, would they know it was mine? Yeah. But I do want to be able to do something different, not just, hey, I drew Mickey Mouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the, and, you, yeah you, want to put, you want to put your own twist, but not to the point of where it's just like, you know, a character of what you already create on your own, you know? Right, right. Um, and then the, uh, what, what precipitated the move to California? Like, what brought you out oh. here? Because um, by well, that, Disciple was done by that point, or were you yeah, guys still... Yeah, we, we okay. played our last show in 2004, okay. uh, not because of any breakup, but just because we thought it's time. The natural, yeah, yeah, it ran its course. Yeah, it ran its course, we're all... Involved in other things, it's still fun, and we went out having a good time. Yeah, once you had to put the AD on it, I mean, that was just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once, it, once our band name resembled a license plate, then that was... <laughs> yeah, once, once legal properties came into play, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're Let's run its course. Okay, we'll do X Disciple X AD, but we're taking a stand on not adding one more right. all right to the second power. Fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, we... we uh, yeah, we stopped doing Disciple, and then um, by that time, I was doing full-time uh, freelance artwork. Okay. Because it was a time where I was working a day job, doing the freelance. Okay. And then I took the plunge with, like, oh, can I do freelance? What were you doing time? in the day job as you were doing, like, as you were trying to build up It was a dot-com startup. That, oh, okay. That was, like, you know, they had masseuses. In Erie? In, in Erie, yeah. Oh, wow. They bought everything in Erie that was of value. They, yeah. We had a, you know, masseuse there every week. To, oh, man. Know, it, was, yeah. it was just like you read about it. Right. You know, with, with just the like dot-com Silicon Valley. Right, yeah. right, right. We could buy stock in the company. Right. And I was learning web development. Okay. So, the very little bit I know about HTML, I learned there. Mm-hmm. But mainly, I got paid to learn how to use a Wacom tablet and draw and use Photoshop and stuff I was doing, you know, a continuation of college. Wow. And when that kind of, like all the dot-coms did, just crashed. Right. Um, I, saw, I, th- I thought, well, you know, why not now? And so I, I tried doing it, and so I was doing freelance full-time, and Face Down Records was... A big client. So sure. Even though I wasn't an employee of Face Down at the time, I was still doing. You were. Kind of, I mean, you were essentially kind of the in-house <laughs> artist, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I, I had been growing pretty tired of the winters there. Sure. Right? It, it, the winters in Erie, I mean, they're worse because I mean, because of Lake Erie. Right. Lake effect hardcore. Sure. Yeah. The yeah. lake effect snow dropped so much snow that, you know, in in growing up. You don't think anything of it. It's yeah. just how it is. Right. But when you tour and you go all around the world, oh, there's nicer like, places. You mean it's like this all the time? Right. You mean these streets are dry like this in this month? Right. You know? I don't need to put a bunch of salt on you. Right. Right. And it it broadens. You know, it expands your, you know, your your vision for where you can live. And right. I mean, I'm sure that explains why a lot of people do live all over the country now. Right. Uh, you know, I notice that a lot of people they don't stay and raise families in the town they grew up in anymore totally and i had been coming to california for face down records things we we had a tour with no innocent victim in 98 where mm-hmm. we became great friends with no innocent victim and jason was just starting face down at the time and we were having our first california burritos and yeah, you know yeah. in and out burger you know all the right. staples of california life and sure once you taste those it's what's the saying you know once they've seen the big city lights how can you keep them down on the farm kind of thing right you're like i need to be there. right and and so every blizzard first week in april and there's still a, bl- a blizzard and yeah. I, it was depressing me sure getting to where looking back i probably had that seasonal affective disorder thing but oh sure at the time you know i don't i didn't think i did but Right, you're in the middle of it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never recognize it when I'm in it. And it was bumming me out. And then sure. 
it just seemed like a natural thing where Jason was like, hey, you know, he, he'd call me up about an album and be like, yep, just here in sun, sunny California. Of course. Just enjoying it, you know, because he wanted me to move out here. Okay. And then he finally, we were talking one time and I said, you know, if you ever do expand to where you could hire me for real and move me out here, I would do it. And he said, oh, I didn't know that was an option. Let's yeah. do that. And so then I... So that was just, yeah, you're like, wife, this is an opportunity. Yeah, my wife and my two-year-old daughter and we, you know, we came out here and we've been here for almost 10 years. Okay. Oh, and so the, you, you had established the family in... Yeah, which was the hard part because we had the only grandchild at the time. Right. And both my wife and I had family in Erie. So mm -hmm. the full grandparents, the whole nine yards was all in Erie. Easy, convenient, local, wonderful. And we, you know, we love our family. So it wasn't like we had this crazy family life. Yeah, you're like, I can't get away. Right, yeah. I can't, I can't wait to get away. Because some people I've talked to assume that, oh, you moved, you know, your family's crazy. I'm like, no, my family's awesome. I miss them all the time. But yeah, yeah. I just couldn't be happy with, I mean, I'm a, I'm a visual person. You know? Right. And so when you go out and you look out your window and the sky is just white. Yeah. You know? No you're blue. Like, again, right. No clouds. Sure. The trees don't have leaves. Right, right. You know, there's... The snow gets plowed on the side of the road where it, it eventually turns black from all the car exhaust. So you've got black snow. Sure. White skies, dead trees. Not very inspiring. It's not inspiring, right? Sure, sure. It's the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is the opposite. Despiring? Right, right. <laughs> Demotivating, yeah, all the above. Yeah. Um, and, so, and then obviously, like, tattooing is also a part of your life as well. Um, it, but it seems like, I mean, the way that you build that is, like, that's just, like, literally a vacation for you in the sense of where it's like, yeah. oh, I can kind of do that just to, like, either in well, the thing I find about tattooing is so cool is that the conversations that you have usually with your artists, like as you're like doing, you know, if you're doing like a larger piece, yeah, yeah. um, do you like that sort of like interaction or are you pretty like locked in when you're tattooing a person? I actually, it, another contradiction. I love it. Yeah. I love sitting down with someone I don't know, or even people I've known for a while where you have a history with them, but sure. even people you don't know and just, you start tattooing them and you're, for, they're forced to sit there. Yeah. They're yeah. forced to sit right. there. Let's find out about each other or what, you know. Sure. And normally I would think that I wouldn't like that. Right. But I love it. You know? Yeah, and yeah. I happen to meet so many good people. A lot of them become real life friends after, right. you know, tattooing them a few times, you know. Right. And that's how I met Chris Hansen, who yeah. I was a friend of yours. And, yeah. You know, he came down and he's been coming down here for years now getting tattooed. and. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's something that you, um, you know, a lot of people that, that, that just like maybe have one or two tattoos... They just, you know, it's whatever. They go into a tattoo shop and pick yeah. something off the one wall. And, done, yeah. and then, but there's there's such a, a bond that is created with people that, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm literally displaying what you want on your body. Yeah. And like, but it's my art. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. That weird, yeah. it's that weird trade-off. But then it's like, yeah, you're just intrinsically connected with that person for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, yeah. like, well, this is, this is what I got. This is what right, we got going right, on. Right. Um, and the, uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the idea that obviously like we were talking about earlier where it's like, you know, you have a family, you have such a rich history within the context of, of you know, counterculture and like the, all the connotations that go along with it. Because I mean, it's like, and what I find interesting about your experience too is the fact that it's like, you know, within, within punk and hardcore, Christianity is so maligned. Um, it's still, I mean, like yeah. they're from a larger sense of the term, um, to where it's like, it still blows my mind that it's like, you know, in, in whatever, in 2014, that you still have people that's like, oh yeah, like religion should have no place within independent right, music. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah. that's something I heard in like 97. Yeah, like, yeah. And I have, I've always understood that. Even when people yeah. said that to us when we were starting out. Sure. You know, religion shouldn't be part of this. We thought, well, 
you were not really we're separating religion from the passion of what we believe that happens to be in that religion it is not the same thing because right. we're not saying go to church sure you know that's not our message go to church and believe these things so you can be one of us kind of thing right right it was this is just a reflection of our you know our hearts and our feelings of how we we look at the world around us right and it's flavored by you know you could say religion but it's more of a faith sure and the, I, the relationship that you have so sometimes i, I mean in certain contexts i would tend to believe or, or agree with somebody when they would say religion has no place i'd be like well you know religion sure i mean because religion isn't yeah. music sure right so, right you know, right, right. Like, plumbing has no place in hardcore <laughs> Yeah. You're right, because plumbing is like, about toilets and right? and sinks, and good hardcore point. isn't about. That yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of very thing. good point. Right, right. You can't relate those right. two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd, I'd have to agree. Something. Yeah, religion, like going to church and following rules. Yeah, that doesn't have a place in hardcore. So I, on right. that, I do agree. Yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. And so the the tying up all those experiences, and then the fact that you know you're raising a family and you uh, have this. Like the thing that always that continually scares me. I mean, I have a three year old, and the idea of like what is he going to bring home that I'm not <laughs> going to understand. Like, but it, it's just weird because like yeah. we since we we shove so much stuff in our heads. Yeah. That I, I like I don't know like you know whatever he, he like you know your daughter or my son could you know all of a sudden be super into like insane clown posse. But we'll ha we'll know like we'll yeah. be like okay I know what you're I know what you're right. going to do you want some yeah. Vago like. We'll have, but like, where's our parents? They would be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So like the, you know, is, is there any like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say fear, but is there any sort of just like, wow, this is weird because I know so much of this, like, you know, subculture stuff and like, where will that end up? Yeah. Well, you know, I always, people would say, you know, to me and my wife, you know, oh, your daughter's so lucky she has you guys as parents because you, you know, you're quote unquote right. cool. You're cool. Right, 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 right. And I always say the same thing. Hippies who had kids thought, man, my right. kid's lucky to have us because we're not like my old man. Right. We're, da we're you know, cool. And I named my kid Jupiter. Right, yeah, right. yeah. And the kid turns out to be uh, what, Alex P. Keaton. Right, you right. Know? <laughs> no, totally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're going to be a Wall yeah. Street banker. Right, 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 right. So I almost expect my daughter to get into something that is something I don't understand uh -huh. instead of something I do understand. Because you always think, you know, you think like, oh, I'm the be-all, end-all of, I, I know culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, that being said, our culture is so different. Now. Mm -hmm. It's not just what's in the culture that's different, but the whole culture is different because we're so invested in pop culture yep. and knowing all these subgroups of types, types of music or film or, yeah. you know, where back then it was, you know, my dad was like, yeah, Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, that's my pop culture or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All this other stuff in music. Oh, yeah, I've heard of The Clash. And that's the limit that's where it ends yeah. yeah but nowadays you know parents like us we are invested in like oh what's out there and i want to know all this stuff right so, i guess that's anyone's i know anyone's, it is it's, it's, it's guess, completely yeah. unpredictable but yeah it is it is it is it will be very interesting like i almost predict that it's like it's going to swing and then a sort of like um like the movie pleasantville where it's like it's that sort of like oh we're we're gonna basically we're as a culture are going to go back to some of these sort of you know, for lack of a better term, like puritanical beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, you know, we'll we'll be so kind of like middle of the road, and like not in a bad way, just a right. reaction to what has already kind yeah. of happened. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it'll be it. it I mean, it'll be yeah. really interesting to see how it transpires in the next ten yeah. to fifteen. Because everything you're right. Everything when you look back uh, as a cycle in history is a reaction. Totally. So there's always 
when things get just loose and you know super uh, free, then it always rains it's, back yeah, in, and it's like you know Reagan years kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then after the Reagan years, then there's the oh, we're yeah, free. Yeah. Then there's yeah. the release. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. And the it, the the last thing I want to hit on was the idea of um, you know you the grind of being kind of you know the the freelancer where um, you know does that weigh on you still or do you feel like you have you know you have a stable enough base to where you feel mm. you obviously feel comfortable because yeah. um, there always there there's always going to be that yeah. um, that fear of like well I I am my own business like right. I'm I'm all in right. on this. Um, does that, does that stuff sort of, you know, still enter your head or is it like you just kind of keep your head down and focus on the work? That's I, more the keep your head down, focus on the work, but, uh, the other, you know, the voice that says, oh, you better say yes to this project because it could be your last. That's there, but it fades. That's good. And plus I've really kind of hedged my bets pretty well because I, I work for Face Down Records right. in a, almost a, I guess, permanent Sure. Uh, I don't know what to call it. Like Maybe I'm like on, a permanent like consultant. payroll. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm not freelance. Right. So I get a I get a flat amount of. Uh, yeah. You get a, I get a paycheck for that. Sure. And it's not dependent on what I do. Just right. the hours I put in. Sure. And obviously what I do in those hours. But so I I, I work uh, three days for him. That's sort of like a base. Almost like how a, a restaurant server makes yeah, a certain yeah, yeah, base, yeah. but then tips. Sure. And so I have that as kind of a stable foundation and right. then I do freelance for two days a week on top of that and then tattooing so it's kind of if any one of these branches die then I just put all that energy in two other branches right 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 and so dude that's so uh, that's like so symptomatic of of people like in independent music in general where it's just like because yeah, yeah. like, everybody does like a million things yeah um and not in like I always say where it's like it's not out of function for like you know financial gain a lot of it is just because it's fun to do stuff where you're yeah. like Oh, like that's a cool opportunity. Why would I not do that? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I know it's hard, and it's it's challenging to say no to things. Totally. You know, I mean, I you you have to, you right. just have to, because otherwise you'll spread yourself so thin that none of those areas that you work in will be effectual. Sure. You know, so I, I try to limit it. There's right. times, there are times where I'm like, tattooing's got to go. I got to quit tattooing. Right. And so I'll back off for a month or so, and then. No, I miss it. I got to get back. <laughs> right, right, right. And I'll just, you know, something else. And and I've I've experimented with those three things: face down, freelance, and tattooing. Yeah. I've experimented with. What if I put more? Like eighty percent here, ten yes. percent here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Back to Dungeons and Dragons. It's right. It's like right. building a character. You of only course. have so many points you can spend: agility, strength, Total. endurance. Right. But you can't be good at all. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I got. Yeah. I have to. I I am all in on. I got to have a lot of hit points. I yeah. Got, right. Yeah. Magic points. I'm not going to concentrate on right yeah, now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you hanging out, Dave. This has been fun for me. Thank you. Thanks. So there you go. There's Dave Quiggle. Such a sweet dude, right? I love it. And I I realize when I am talking on the microphone, you don't see this, obviously, because it's an auditory medium. I am moving my hands. Like, I'm literally moving my left hand right now, acting like I am talking to a person in front of me. If I put my, like, hands out of my lap, I I feel like I'm I'm insecure. I don't know what to do with my hands. Is there a weaker weaker than song like that? Yeah, I think so. Anyways, the producer, as always, is Tom Richfield. Thank you so much for your awesomeness and your continued devotion to the show and the podcast medium in general. Propertyofzach.com. Visit the website 100wordspodcast.com. Email the show and just just interact. I've been getting a lot of feedback from people who are like, hey, I just checked out the show and it's it's awesome. More and more people are listening to this and this is a great thing. And subscribe to the show. Don't screw around. 
You'll get every single episode delivered to you. Whether or not you listen to it, it helps the show when you download the show. So it, it adds to numbers and it just it helps out. So subscribe to the show. The guest next week, for those of you that listen this far, is uh, Brandon Cipetti. He is the vocalist for now defunct band called Bleeding Through. He also played for 18 Visions. I have a long history with him. We talk about that. And he also is the owner of a gym called Rise Above Fitness. Very in-depth and revealing chat in a way that, uh, you know, honestly, I was nervous going into this one. So, anyways, that's a big enough tease. So, until next week, be safe, everybody. Everybody.